episode of the Beery Interesting Podcast, the podcast where we discuss beer styles in a relaxed and unscripted way. Now, Imperial Stout is a very interesting style, very popular today in, in craft beer circles, but um, it has a really interesting history, actually. Um, and I think we should begin by talking about where the name Russian Imperial Stout comes from. So, um, the beer is thus named um, because it was a porter initially brewed in, in London, um, which then became a bit stronger and sturdier and became known as a stouter porter, just a stout for short, discussed at length in our Irish dry stout episode of this podcast. And then this stout porter, this stout um, was exported through the Baltic states to the Russian capital um, for consumption by the rich um, Russian aristocracy in the court. Now, um, the name itself, Russian Imperial Stout, is often just shortened to Imperial Stout, especially in modern craft beer drinking. Um, the kind of RIS, Russian Imperial Stout, is a little bit archaic and outdated, and typically these beers will just be called Imperial Stouts in craft beer drinking. There's a lot of kind of... Um, fake history around this style, a lot of mythology and lore, much like with um, India Pale Ale, for example. Um, you know, it's often told that India Pale Ales were so highly hopped and, and more alcoholic than domestic Pale Ales in order to survive the long journey around the Cape of Africa to Madras. Um, but of course, we know that that is, is mythological and not really true. The um, domestic pale ales were just as highly hopped and um, were, were just as alcoholic and, you know, October ales drunk by the gentry in the, in the UK at the time were um, certainly very strong, highly hopped beers that would almost resemble a modern double IPA. So it's much the same with Imperial Stout. The style um, has a, a really good story, one of those stories that we almost wish was true. Um, but uh, sadly isn't. They say that um, these imperial stouts were so alcoholic and so high gravity, as we say in brewing, um, to survive the, the journey again um, to the Russian capital. But um, kind of standard strength porters were being exported to the Americas, which of course is further from London than um, Russia is. Um, so we know that's not really true. So the question remains then, why are these beers so alcoholic? You know, the, the range given in terms of alcohol by volume in the Beer Judging Certification Programme guidelines is 8 to 12% alcohol, so really quite punchy. Um, and the beer historian Ron Pattinson, um, who runs the fantastic um, Barclay Perkins blog, tells us that the reason they were so alcoholic is that they were um, enjoyed, and I quote, by rich Russian pissheads, 
Um, so Catherine the Great and her, her cronies were um, very much fans of alcohol and um, required these English imports to be um, really boozy because that was their taste and that's what they liked and um, sort of high alcohol ales were um, enjoyable because they got them drunk and they were a sign of wealth and excess which they loved um, so that's the real reasoning behind it um, quote Ron Pattinson rich Russian pissheads so the style itself I have an example here that I'm going to crack open um, I'm opening the Eon uh, I think it's pronounced Eon uh, Imperial Stout from Black and Sky Brewery in Milton Keynes sorry Black and Sun Brewery I should say in Milton Keynes so let's um, have a pour up of this. This has been in a bottle in my fridge for years, actually. It's got some age on it, but that's not an issue. Typically with Imperial Stouts, they age very well. And a lot of people would tell you that uh, Imperial Stouts are one of the very few styles that actually improves with age, um, interestingly, largely due to the high alcohol content. So this beer, um, this beer pours jet black, really opaque jet black, with a, a fairly low kind of dark tan head, very, very typical. The color of foam on an imperial stout can actually kind of give you a clue sometimes as to the, um, the composition of the grist, the kind of malt recipe, I guess you could say in the beer. Um, typically beers that use more kind of caramelized crystal malts tend to exhibit a slightly darker colored head um, than beers that maybe rely on roasted unmalted barley, for example, or, or roasted grains like that, um, which is why, you know, Guinness, which relies on roasted unmalted barley, doesn't really have a very dark head. It's a fairly pale, creamy head, whereas um, beers that maybe use more crystal 120 or those kind of dark caramelized malts tend to exhibit a darker colored head. So an interesting little visual indicator there. Now, this beer has a very interesting aroma. Um, typically, a imperial stout will comprise a, a large volume of pale malt, and that's necessary to create the alcohol. Um, we have to use a lot of pale malt, or what we call a base malt, to provide fermentable sugar and enzymatic power, diastatic power, we call it, that kind of enzyme to break down the starches in the grain into into sugars and that provides the potential alcohol in the beer that will get us up to the lofty heights um, this beer in particular 10% ABV the color and flavor then will come from what we call speciality malts so um, dark roasted barley dark roasted malts things like black malt and um, black patent malt being kind of the darkest malt that you can really get your hands on um, things like brown malt chocolate malt um, things like um, dark crystal malts um, it's fairly typical in these beers to use flaked um, malts like flaked oats, flaked wheat, um, which add more body and richness to these beers. Um, and, and this beer in particular has a beautiful aroma of kind of dark chocolate, high cocoa, dark chocolate, um, a little bit of coffee, kind of dark roast coffee, almost like um, used coffee grounds. incredibly rich there's a sweetness there reminiscent of dried fruit figs dates prunes um, that kind of like fig roll 
or Fig Newton, I think they're called if you're in the USA, um, flavor that I absolutely adore. Um, and then on the palate, there is a real bitterness. What's very common with these beers is a high level of hopping. Um, because as you increase your levels of malt and increase your alcohol, you must add more hops to provide balance there. So these beers can be up to, I mean, according to the book, up to 90 IBU, but I know breweries will hop. Um, their Imperial starts up around 100 IBU a lot of times, which is a lot of bitterness units, um, kind of equivalent to a double IPA in terms of hop bitterness levels. But then also the, the dark roasted grains will provide their own specific kind of bitterness, that kind of acrid, burnt, charred um, bitterness, almost like burnt toast, um, if you think of that kind of bitter burnt toast flavour. Um, so it's a really complex bitterness and really um, intense. These beers are all about intensity. Now this beer, as I said, has been in bottle for a few years and it's developed um, as a tertiary flavour, so not really a primary or secondary flavour from the ingredients or the brewing process or anything like that, a tertiary flavour, one that's developed purely through bottle aging, and that is um, umami. It's a savoury umami flavour, very unusual in beer, typically, but you will find it in aged imperial stouts. Um, and when I say umami, I mean in terms of a, a really specific descriptor here, I'm thinking soy sauce. I'm thinking roasted or, or confit garlic, that kind of cooked garlic. I'm thinking miso. There's a real miso aroma on this beer, and that might sound kind of strange, um, but it, it's from the aging process, um, and specifically a process called autolysis. And autolysis is the breakdown of yeast cells um, during aging, when they release some of their stuff, some of their proteins and lipids and various things into the beer. And that gives us this almost meaty, savory flavor. Um, if you're a champagne drinker, you'll know that flavor very well because the kind of umami autolytic um, flavor crops up in champagne because that wine is aged on its yeast, what we call lease in winemaking, um, in the bottle. And that creates that very typical flavor, which is also found in aged imperial stouts. So dark chocolate, coffee, dark dried fruits, burnt toast, little soy sauce and miso. Very complex, very delicious, a very fully developed beer. Um, and what's nice is this beer um, is kind of Reinheitsgebot compliant, I guess, German purity law compliant. It just contains um, barley, oats, hops and yeast. Um, there's no additions of vanilla or brown sugar or lactose or cacao or anything like that. Um, it is very common to flavor this beer style with those kind of flavors, but um, in this instance, it's it's really just a, a straight up, what we call a straight up imperial stout, which I really like to see. Um, nice to see what can be done with just those simple classic ingredients. So that's a little bit about the history, um, the brewing process and the flavor style of this beer. Um, this is going to be a very short episode this week, I think, um, because I don't have a tremendous amount to say about this beer style. I don't drink it very much because I find it almost too decadent. I need the weather to be right. It needs to be a cold day, a winter's day. It needs to be rainy. Preferably, I'm sitting beside an open fire. Um, this isn't the kind of beer, typically, that I tend to lean into on a, on a summer's day or anything like that. So for me, it has to be really the right circumstances to enjoy an imperial stout. Um, but what is interesting is it's a, it's a very good food beer when it when it needs to be. Um, 
it's a very classic pairing in terms of beer and cheese to pair an imperial stout with blue cheeses. Think Stilton, Gorgonzola, those kind of really ripe, funky, intense blue-veined cheeses. Um, my favourite being a Beanley Blue, which is kind of a slightly green-veined goat's cheese. Um, just works so well with these dark, chocolatey, intense uh, flavours in this beer. Equally, um, you can employ this beer with desserts fabulously. You know, um, chocolate truffles, chocolate ganache, like a chocolate torte or something like that, um, has a very obvious complementary pairing with an imperial stout. Um, you can also pair this beer with meats. Kind of grilled and cooked meats have a, a real char, a real smoky character, a Maillard reaction, a toastiness, um, a sear that works just incredibly well with um, the kind of Maillard reactions implicit in this beer style um, derived from the, the dark malts that are that are employed in the recipe. Um, yeah, delicious. That's got me salivating. Okay, thanks for listening. Um, hopefully you don't mind this being a rather shorter episode compared to especially the previous Lambic episode, which was about an hour long. This is a really concise one. Um, but some of these beer styles I just don't have as much to say about, really. Um, hopefully you can find a nice Imperial Stout. There's some incredible ones out there, some real classics like Courage Imperial Stout, like Thornbridge St. Petersburg, like Old Rasputin in the USA, you know, Sierra Nevada Narwhal as well. Incredible um, examples to find, as well as all the more modern kind of flavoured Imperial Stouts. Um, from your Omnipolos and Tools and those kind of breweries. So um, there's a real scope to play with. Have a taste um, and, and see what you think. And hopefully you enjoyed this concise and snappy little um, mini episode of Beery Interesting. As always, feel free to get in touch, beeryinteresting at gmail.com. Um, thanks for listening. And I'll see you next week for another beer style. Cheers. <laughs>